Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Where there is this elderly white woman behind me in the theater to see American fiction, you know. I'm 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 fairly confident in saying like black director, black lead, black storytelling. And there's this white woman behind me that goes, excuse me, are your extensions paper or plastic? I say, what? She's like, well, are they cloth? What are your extensions? (laughs) So first of all, first off, you old bitch. (laughs) Don't don't be clocking that I got extensions, okay? y'all it's disgusting Fanita actually told us this week that our car smelled like vomit but come on in welcome to fly on the wild and podcast it's a show where we talk about dating about parenting and where we record it all for the world to see i'm your neighborhood friendly black girl amber i'm ben yeah Woo-hoo. i know don't you miss your soundboard baby oh yeah uh, I have to order one of those. They're only uh, an easy three hundred dollars. Easy three, easy three hundo. Uh, as you can see, we are back in sunny Los Angeles. We are happy to be here. Uh, we spent a month in Georgia, we and we we are happy to be back. Our bellies are are happy to have more space because I ate everything in sight. What about you? Yeah, I know. I basically had constipation the moment I landed in Atlanta till the moment I came back yesterday to L.A. So, yeah, I mean, constipation is a real thing because everything is just fried food. Fried, 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 fried. Fried. They fried. fry. Yeah, even when you ask for something grilled, it's just slightly fried. The okra is fried. It's just not fried, fried hard. Yeah, right. the, the carrots are fried. The, the salad is fried. The salad. The salads are very fried, but we are happy to be back in L.A. And just right here, I want to remind those of you who are in Los Angeles or near L.A., maybe an hour outside or whatever, you need to come to our live show. Our live show will be at the Lodge Room on February 21st, and you can buy tickets to that using the link in the episode notes. Another great live show. We had a successful Atlanta show, a successful New York show. So, L.A., your time is now. Well, February 21st. So we will see y'all there. Ben, you want to hop right into today's episode? Uh, yeah, absolutely. You look great. You like that that haircut? My, my sister's boyfriend yeah, cut. Yeah, I like uh, the haircut. Hair. I, didn't, I didn't shave because mm. I'm trying to grow out a, a beard. Oh. See what that happens. You're trying to grow out a beard. I'm trying to get a whole beard. What's you know. the, what's, who is your beard idol? My beard idol? Uh, probably uh, Thor. 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 Get a full Thor beard. Like a nor- nice, you know. A Norse god energy. Norse god. Look at me Norwegian. knowing that. You taught me well. I, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever grown a beard out that thick? No, this no, this is like no. I mean, I have gone longer than this, but Yeah, no, just try it. No, actually I'm not trying to grow anything out. I did not buy shaving cream. I forgot to buy shaving cream. I also forgot to buy your almond butter this morning. So right after this, we're going to go get almond butter and shaving cream. No, I'm not trying to grow out the beard. Screw that. You did forget my almond butter. Yeah, no, well, I look raggedy and like jagged and, and it doesn't look good on my face. We talked about this because uh, we, we, we what we love to do on this show is just rehash in a softer way, real arguments that we've had. So Ben has told me I can be a little micromanagey, right? 
So I asked Ben, I said, how can I get to a point where I'm not micromanaging you? I feel like I'm micromanaging you because I'll text to remind you to do something that goes unanswered. I'll do gentle reminders to do something that goes unanswered. So uh, could you imitate the micromanaging voice that I do? Oh, yeah. You're like, what I need from you, Ben, is I need you to open up the dishwasher, pick up a dish open up the cabinet and it's very patronizing and annoying i'm like just please stop talking right stop leave me alone Hmm. leave me alone i'm like in a you ever watch the breakup i know you like that vince vaughn he's like i just want to be left alone left alone and we see how that worked out for him because he don't Mm want to do nothing but okay but today is a fine example so so because ben says that he hates the micromanaging patronizing tone da 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 i said to myself you know what i'm gonna text him and ask him for something i need because i ben does all of our grocery shopping which i love thank you for doing that so i asked him i was like hey do we have almond butter at home because Essentially, I know you're going to go get the groceries today. That went unanswered. Why would you text me that about that, though, when you were coming home? Well, because I was I was coming home from the gym. I offered yesterday to go grocery shopping. You're like, no, I don't like when you grocery shop because I do all the cooking. Right. It doesn't make sense for you to grocery shop. Right. But if, if I need something on the list, how can I communicate that to you without patronizing you? I guess the if easiest I don't just thing text you, because we have a shared shopping list through the Amazon Alexa is to open that up and see if almond butter but is on But here's the thing. There. You were at home. So I was here. So go home and look up. You're like, hey, hey, no, is there almond no. butter? Why text me that? Because Don't you were at home. Text. I was coming home. We only have one car. I was coming home. And the minute you, I was, the minute I came home, you had to go out. So I was like, before I, I was essentially saying, before I add this to the shopping list, do we have it at home? Well, if, if I'm and taking, I came home and you were like, yeah, we I got don't it. Look at text. And then if you want to no, communicate me and, the, and I'm li- and I'm babysitting wild. Okay, so that's when you're gonna get the patronizing voice. Can you babysit your? So when I'm babysitting wild, <laughs> I always like that. When I'm babysitting wild, don't text me. Nobody texts me. Anybody, any friends, family, or listening I'm saying, to this. What I'm asking if I am you, watching my child, I don't. So, I'm not on my phone because it's too distracting. So let's it's be like clear. It's like fucking crackhead. It's like crack. It's to like our crack. Head. Okay, so I'm not allowed to patronize the voice, and I'm not allowed to text. So what? How can I clearly communicate that I need Talk almond to butter? Me. You come back because, or but look, you don't remember. Look, look in your cabinet yourself. You're the one who wants it. Go through it. Oh, add butter. So that's what we're doing too. now. So how about how about this? Take some responsibility. How about you go Amber. to the grocery store? I go to the grocery store. Let's just do that. Amber, you don't know how to go to the grocery yes, store. Yes, I, I know. Amber. I know. I have. I I asked you, did we have almond butter? You said yes. Then you check the almond butter after you came home from the groceries, yeah. and the almond butter was expired. Yeah. So that's you not asked yes. me. You asked me. And I went and checked myself. Okay, so next time I would send in a text message. Do we Don't have almond me. butter that is not expired? Don't text me if you're about to see note. me in 15 minutes. I don't get this. I don't get this up. This is our our generation is obsessed with knowing things right this instant. Just fucking wait, everybody. Just breathe. You don't have to know right away what people Man, are doing. You have to. You're, you're driving home. You don't have to text me, is there okay, almond well you- butter? You'll be home in 10 minutes. Check it yourself. You gonna get the patronizing tone then? This is this is the problem with phones today. But you don't like the tone, so I gotta text you. No, fix your tone and don't text me. Here's so, the no, thing. Let me so don't text, don't call, don't email, don't voice note. Yeah, don't voice note. God. So, but man, Someone, also, I had a friend recently send me a voice note, and I yeah. like tried to listen to it, and I I couldn't hear it, so I just forgot. And this person, uh, I've been trying to like meet up with this person for a little bit, and so I didn't check it, and it like disappeared. You tried to meet up with somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to meet up with a friend. Uh, You've got friends. 
I do have friends, Amber. Amber thinks I don't have any friends. You don't On the have ride no over friends. here, she's like, you don't have friends. She's like, you're not really a friend person. I'm like, what, you do, you, ain't. what do you mean by Name that? Name three of your friends, go. Uh, Alex. I have a friend named Alex. You Alex, met Alex through Aaron, me. My friend Aaron from college. From college. Hamong. I'm going to meet C. When's Simon. When's the last time you hit Hamong up? Uh, when we were in Chicago a couple months ago. We were in oh, Chicago no, no. for Re a funeral this past summer. No, no, no. Before, so yeah. friendship to you is when, I, when I'm when i in town for a funeral, I hit you up. That's friendship to that you. That is not friend. Yeah, yeah, that's part of friend That's part of my friendship. Oh, no. I, I hit up. Uh, uh, I'm going to be in Chicago soon. So I have my friend Ramona. She was my first roommate. So we're going to meet up. Okay. So yeah, to you, Ramona friendship is when I'm in your city, Erica, I hit you. I, I hit up Erica. I said, hey, uh, Erica, my friend Erica got married. I couldn't go to the wedding. Which she got married. And she got married. <laughs> it sounded like I, you said she got buried. She got married. I mean, sort of the same thing, right? Married, buried. Mm. Uh, and I, I texted her. I bet she get her man at Auburn Butter. I bet. I know that. Yeah. They, well, I don't. Yeah, probably. She's, she's yeah. Or he probably get. He's she, amazing. He married. She married this like incredible guy, who is a union delegate. Anyway, but he I'm sure he communicates well. I'm he, sure. he does communicate well. When a like. when when she sends a text, he answers it. Damn, that sounds nice. They don't. They, he's like more of a reading kind of guy. He like you know. More so text messages do make sense. No reading like a book. Reading text messages. Is how about how about I put, how about this so we can start the first. God. Topic. How about I put what I need Got in your hot. book. Will you see it then? If I put a little loving list of what I need from the grocery store in your book, I'd be so pissed if I like open and like falls out. It would just be passive aggressive at that point. No, wouldn't I just told you I'm gonna do it? I feel like passive aggressive is like when well, you know you're not gonna do it. No, no, passive aggressive is it's like I know this person is gonna be passive aggressive and do this thing. It's like petty. Petty, petty is like oh this person. Well, you don't listen. You don't do voicemails. Well, yeah, voicemails. I, I go back to voicemails. I for don't do voicemails. The best way to communicate anything, if you want something done, is talk to me face to face with eye contact. Because with eye contact. Okay, and Ben. You can't be on your holding your phone. Let me tell you, I need almond butter. Okay, you're gonna get your almond butter. Add it to the grocery list, and I'll go get it. Anything on the grocery list, I get. Got it. Can we talk about being creators online? Mm-hmm. The first segment of our show, because this ain't the, the damn show ain't even started yet. Bitch just need a little butter in her life. The first segment of our show is called Hashtag Influenced. It's time for the hashtag. Hashtag Influenced. Can we go back to the almond butter? Why? <laughs> so you go and you ask for things. This is your problem. You ask for things on the grocery list, and then they expire, and I got to throw it out. You ask for almond butter. I got you. I got this woman some, this wonderful woman. You didn't buy any, Ben. You just said, oh, I we have it. it. We, we have, have it. We have it. And it was, it was expired like six months ago because I buy it. You'll say, buy me almond butter because you said you read an online article, almond butter is good for protein or whatever, and then you want it there. So it's like you're uh, you're doing the whole um, like the diet thing. I'm going to get my own butter. Okay. So here, we, we actually were here to talk about somebody else's podcast for a second. Um, I know it's some time has passed, but the cat got out of the bag. This week, the most viral thing on social media was Cat Williams on Shannon Sharp's podcast, Club Shay Shay, and he just emptied the fucking clip. The chamber? I don't know. I don't know gun things. He let the girls have it. He came for a, tons of black comedians amongst those. Faison Love, Kevin Hart, Cedric the Entertainer, Steve Harvey. Um, there there were some that he obviously, you know, revered. Mark Curry, D.L. Hughley. Um, he has a very high 
Gary Owens represent very, my people. He has a very high. Uh, what am I trying to say? Gary Owens is perception white, of a stand-up comedian. Like he, yeah. he he highly reveres stand-up comedians to be the gold standard. For uh, just to be clear, I want us. We we we've seen a lot of discourse online about like some of the best quotables from this interview. So I want to just first talk about what were some of the funniest lines that we heard throughout this interview, and then we're kind of going to have a larger discussion about just comedy in general and and the impact of this interview. You want to do that? Yeah, well, Gary Owens is white, right? Yep. Okay, yeah. She he liked Gary Owens. What? Uh, sure. Yeah. Of of course you're like and there was one white person as well. Mm-hmm. So that that your your, your squad got held down a little bit too, but mo- it was mostly about uh, a bunch of black comedians. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just can't we just can't forget okay, about know. Gary. All right. Uh read these quotes. Quotes. I think my number one favorite quote was, you having an unnatural allegiance to losers isn't like you. That was iconic. (laughs) Ben, do you think you have an unnatural allegiance to losers? No. Like, why? I don't defend people that I think are terrible. You know? Which which was happening. Shannon Sharp was like, why are you coming after all these people? Uh, And trying to defend these people. And that, you know, that was sort of the read that... You know, Petty Cat Williams gave him. I mean, I think it's a, not such a Petty great, Cat. Yeah, Petty Cat. Do you think Cat Williams is petty? Yeah, that was super. That was a that was like a Desperate Housewives moment. Like, <laughs> well, especially because it came after like a a long sip of yeah. that cognac. Yeah, you know, you had to think about it for a second. He's like, un- un- what should I say? You know what? I I really appreciate how Cat Williams thinks before he speaks. Like that was something that was a big takeaway for me from the interview. I watched all two hours and 46 minutes of it. And after mm-hmm. every single question that Shannon asked, he like sat, thought and then decided. That's why when he did say something completely unhinged, I was like, wow, he thought about it. Like the people in his brain were like, should we say it? No, no, maybe sent it down. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad you were taking notes on that. I was taking notes on that. I try to be very intentional with my words. I thought, do we have almond butter was clear. I'll be sure to be like, do we have almond butter that has not expired yet? I'll be sure to be even more specific in the future. Uh, oh, another great quotable. Um, he he was talking about how he's like, I, I always put on great comedians who are funnier than me. Anyone who says otherwise is a fat Faison liar. <laughs> Ben, what could you define what a fat Faison liar is for the people? A fat Faison liar is someone <laughs> who talks about things they have no right to talk about. Mm. So the conversation, Faison was like, it's so easy to get a Netflix special. And Cat Williams like, I have 10. How many does Faison have? 12, yeah. Zero. So let the all-stars talk. I love- Let the I, big boys talk. I love that- so, I, I, of course, I love the unnatural allegiance to losers quote, but I loved what he said there so much because I told you I was reading a book this week. We'll we'll get to the book later. Uh, oh, we, we've got to the before, the sex you want. And that one part of that, it was just talking about, like, establishing confidence, the difference between confidence and arrogance and things like that. And one, like, big thing about confidence was just, like, never take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. And I really feel, feel like what Kat was saying about Faison specifically is just like just that, right? And I'm so glad Faison got like roasted at during this like 
call to Jesus moment that Kat was having because if you remember, do you remember when Faison Love roasted Nicole Byer I do, a couple course, years yeah. ago? Um, and her spe- so Nicole Byer is a comedian whose special dropped um, a couple years ago on Netflix. I'm gonna be honest, I didn't watch the entire special. It wasn't like super my comedy. I love Nicole Byer, but you know what? If you watch something and you're not a huge fan of it, like it's cool to just not talk about it. Like, but Faison Love was like. He was like, so basically all you need to do is be a fat black woman and you get a comedy special now. Like, and for those of you who don't know who Faze I Love is, he's a heavy set guy. He has tons. He's, he's an fat. actor. He's he fat. has tons of IMDb credits. So it was just very strange that he was coming for another fat black woman and her success. Also, he was like, he's not. You're, he was like, you're an unfunny fat black girl or something like that. It, it was something like that. And it was just like, so, so when Kat Jealousy. is telling him why are you allowed to have conversations about people's specials? It was like, yes, maybe now people will recognize that Faison has been commenting on things that he is honestly jealous about. Right? Yeah, I, I don't think... I mean, Faison Love, from what I understand, got lucky and started in a, in a Christmas movie that he gets residuals every single year on. You know, that guy didn't... He, he basically got super lucky, right? Yeah. And... I don't think he did anything extraordinary to comedy. He's not like this great actor. Um, He has a couple lines in a movie that's made him, you know, millions of dollars. So he's just a lucky man who thinks he has the right to tear down other people. He's he's a, you know, he's an idiot. And Cat (laughs) Williams correctly called him. I don't know anything about Faison Love, really. I just know he played an elf. Right. And I've I've that's how white people know Faison Love. He's he's like Big Worm in Friday. That's like his. I would say Friday. one of his most iconic role. But I, and again, he's he's acted in more things than me. So maybe I shouldn't be speaking about Faze I Love, but I definitely, I, I just love when a, when someone like comes for a woman and then like someone who, uh, like a man that's greater that like comes for him. Because it just, it, it's the proverbial, like you're just picking on someone you think is smaller than you and now you're getting picked on by somebody like, like pick, it's, it's very like pick on someone your own size. Not really. I mean, Nicole like, Byer is more famous than Faison. Right, Love now. right. But I'm saying it's just so easy for. I feel like. I feel like Nicole Byer. Um, this might be weird. I don't have any numbers to back this up. So go with me, camera. Nicole Byer has a a heavy white audience. Tons of black people follow her as well. But like a lot of black people know Faison Love because of those black roles. Oh, yeah. Does that make sense? I ca- well, no, Nicole she, Byer Nicole doesn't Byer's have more any mainstream. iconic roles. She, there's no, like, she, right. she, she's also newer, you know, where, like, right. Friday is a classic black film and Elf is right. a classic, is now a classic Christmas movie. And so that's... Like, so, he thinks he's more popular than her because she's not, like, as popular in the black community. I like, f- I learned about Nicole Byer from, like, a white gay man. Yeah. Well, I, you can't you can't comment on who has more listeners. Or of course whatever. not. You of can make course not. Well, you just did, and that that's a problem with today's society is that we make these numbers associations without I any just, data or any. Well, I, I'm well, I'm speaking purely anecdotally. Like yeah. I don't have any big. That's I I feel like I just said I don't have any big numbers to back this up. I just you, know you don't what, have any numbers to back this up. You just say well, what am I, I gonna feel do? Like, what am I gonna do? Here here's a poll real quick. Black people sound off if you know who Nicole Byer is. Nicole Byer was on Nailed It. She was on MTV. Like there are some more mainstream things that Nicole Byer has done. Where and then there are people who are like, no, I, I get I get what you're but saying. But you don't understand. Like there are people that are like low key like black famous. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
Like there are iconic Love black, is black famous. I feel like Faison Love is black famous. That's funny. See, that's a funny phrase, and that makes more sense. And so, and I'm not saying like this kind of goes back to that. You remember that conversation? Faison Love is not white famous though. Like I, I feel like the only reason I know Faison Love is because of you and Cat Williams. So how is that wrong for me to say? But I, but I learned about Nicole Byer. You from said a, that a most of most of her audience is white. Nicole Byer has a largely white audience. You can't, but we don't know that for sure. I'm just speaking on. Uh, on anecdotal. I have no facts. If you. If okay, maybe you know what I'll do. I'm gonna watch her special. I love Nicole Byer. I'm going to watch her special, and I'm going to Count watch everybody in I'm the gonna audience. Watch when the audience pans to the crowd, and I'm gonna see who's in that motherfucker. Yeah, but, but there, she's on nailed it. There she, are she's like on, there are comedians. Oh, she's on Grand see, Crew. I did dismiss her there. Yeah, yeah. There are comedians who have who sell out better in like black neighborhoods and then there are comedians who sell out better in white neighborhoods in the same way that there are musicians like nickel creek is like a <laughs> nickel creek you never heard yeah they they're, know, they're playing shows the back, in like the they're playing shows in upstate new york you know in like not black areas and they but they would never play a show in like the you know the south side of chicago got it <laughs> the what? The South. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's go back to uh some funnies. Uh, Cat said I would have bust Cedric's stomach right in that patch. I mean, it doesn't get any funnier than that. No, that's not how you say it. You've been telling me this all day. It's so annoying. Oh, it's like as I stand before you, Shannon. Cat then stands up and he's kind of like out of frame, but not by a lot, which is also kind of funny. And he goes, "I would have bust Cedric's stomach." <laughs> And then all the whole interview, he's like, come on, cat. And he's like, right in that patch. Because I like Cedric stole like one joke from him. You know what probably actually happened? Cedric probably had one of his assistants go to a couple shows. He's like, yo, I need a couple jokes. Like, well, yo, no, no, he said up. that cat he Cat Williams said that Cedric the Entertainer was consistently showing up at the Hollywood Improv or like the comedy store, one of those uh, LA places. Right. And sitting in the back and constantly watching different shows and would and was notorious for like stealing people's um bits apparently i i still feel like he probably had an intern or somebody with a tape so he could set it up right like do you think he was just pen and paper like with a, with a stenographer in the back it, it, it was one of his best jokes it was a long right. running joke no i believe cedric, cedric sold the, the joke yeah. i just can't, like i i sometimes question is like yo can you go like record no this i for think me cedric the entertainer showed up was was there you think said showed up remember said, the joke start to finish and then yeah, because it. it was a consistent joke that Cat Williams Damn. was telling. I I just if if and, that is what happened, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that that's not what happened, but I, that's there, wild. There are there are some other comedians who are like some pretty well known famous comedians. I I don't remember who, but uh, who would consistently go to the Hollywood Improv or the Comedy Store and just sit and constantly steal people, and it became known that if you were about to go and do your set. They would say, hey, this famous comedian is sitting out here. Don't do your set. Your jokes will be stolen. Mm. And sort of that's um, it's harder to do that now because every like mid tier to low tier comedian 
is running their bits and running a TikTok. Right. So what can happen now is you you yeah. say a set, you post that. Like, no, I said like, this joke yep. first. And you can really fuck yeah. someone over. I mean, Cat is justifiably upset that people are stealing his jokes. Like, that was essentially what I was trying to say. But I would have bust Cedric's stomach. It's, it's so, just too but funny. And Amber says that whenever I do something annoying or she hears something annoying. Yeah, for the past like, week. I would have Stomach. Like, I'm telling you that it, wait, I wait. don't do the dishes. The almond butter. No, no, it's the, the almond butter is the hill. The, all, down the almond like, butter. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about some of our what, favorite okay, exaggerations. To, why do you want almond butter? You've not m- talked about almond butter for ten months. What is this almond butter? Because I need something quick. This is going to take thirty seconds because you keep bringing it up. First of all, if I need butter, if I need uh, marshmallows, if I need uh, oil, whatever I need. And I put on that list, you gonna get. That's that's the one. Let me let me be. I, I think I'm forgetting who I am. Whatever I need. You put pineapple on the list. If I put it on the list, I didn't get you. You pineapple. gonna take your ass down to the Whole Foods and get it. Let's start there. First of all, Secondly, we're, at, we're we're Trader Joe's country right now. Where did you go today? I went to Whole Foods, but for the most so part, we're doing it. Trader Joe's. I'm gonna bust that stomach. Let me say this. We gotta recover from the Christmas holidays. We're at Trader Joe's now. Let me say this. Secondly. My tr- I I have a really bad habit of not eating before a workout. God, it's the worst. Because just not eating I, in general. She'll be like, "Make me food, make me food." Sorry, keep going. You need to do like cat now, because it's I go to the gym early in the morning. So for me, what would be great before a workout would be a, a protein shake that I'm making myself. But I don't want to wake up the whole house with the blender. So sometimes I'll just like look for something in the uh, cabinets, something quick, but I'm like, I don't want to open a can of tuna. Like that's hard to eat in route to the gym. So I'm looking for something that travels well, that is quick to make. Mm. So I recently talked to my trainer and she was like, if you're looking for something just quick to make, you need rice cake, almond butter, drizzle of honey, go. Like, Oh, that's so, why you said I was like rice. She put rice cakes. Amber never eats rice cakes, so almond butter, I, rice cakes, and I honey. Make some changes for myself. Absolutely. I just, I, I forget you're an influencer, but you're also highly susceptible to influence as well, and that's okay. I'm sorry. Somebody who I pay to help me with my fitness goals gave me some advice. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I took it. I like to take advice. Yeah. Let's let's talk about some of Kat's best exaggerations real quick. Uh, I read three thousand books a year. I did the math right away. I was like, that's ten. <laughs> that's like nine to ten books a day. There's three hundred sixty-five days. You read a book a day. That's three hundred sixty-five books. You read three books. He right. Was, he said he was a voracious reader even at a young age, from the ages of eight to twelve, and so he four, reads three thousand books, books a year. Yes. Four books a day. Three uh, to four, sorry, three to four books a day. And at one point, he said, at "Age five, I was on stage in front of five to ten thousand people, speaking the word." So I, his family was Jehovah's Witness. This is all per the interview. Please go, you know, watch the interview. It it, it was very entertaining. Um, but nine, he said nine, he was yeah. a, as a five year old, he was speaking and prophesizing to. Five to ten thousand people, anywhere from five to ten thousand people. At the and and I and I know that like obviously some of at some of these like large conferences and things like that, there are tons of people there. Have you ever been to like one of them Christian conferences? Oh yeah, were there five to ten thousand people there? Yeah, they. Uh, yeah, I went to one. I went to the Promise Keepers one. Oof. Yeah, Promise Keepers. Y'all, we be keeping promises right here. Yeah, okay? basically, it's like I won't cheat on my wife. I won't look at porn, and I won't masturbate. That's like the promise keeper. Were you on stage at age five? No, I was not. Uh, but promise keepers can can draw a pretty large crowd at these uh, coliseums. Maybe five, you know, five thousand. 
something. I don't know. It's pretty big. Well, that's a lot of promises to keep. Uh, <laughs> the last big exaggeration for me. Okay, now here's one that's kind of debatable. He called Kevin Hart an industry plant, which I disagree with. I'm, I'm not saying industry plants don't exist. I actually looked up what the word industry plant meant, and this is what the definition. Industry, industry plant is typically a musical term, um, and it's a, a pejorative used to describe musicians who ostensibly become popular through their connections to the music industry, yet present themselves as independent or self-made. So there's it's twofold. It's like you're becoming popular through the connections, and then you're also saying, but like, nah, I'm self-made. I did it on my own. Da-da-da-da. And I just don't think that describes Kevin Hart. I'm not a huge Kevin Hart fan, but I will say that he's like very successful because of what the hard work that I've seen. Like he's been doing comedy specials since like 2009. So I just don't think it's fair to call him someone who like snuck in the back door. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I, I, I would agree. Well, also... Everybody, You're saying there should be nothing wrong with there's using your no connections. Such, I don't think everybody. Well, in that case, everybody is an industry plant, right? To some extent, if you are famous, at to some extent, you got advice from an industry, from Universal, Paramount, whatever, and said, "Hey, you should go this route, or you should start playing in action movies instead of comedy movies. Do action movies." Uh, and but the idea that Kevin Hart was just chosen, like industry plants, feel like you were plucked out mm-hmm. to become domesticated to represent like short black people and <laughs> and we're gonna make you funny right yeah where kevin hart was doing comedy specials right. he was failing at them and was getting booed off the stage and he decided to change his comedy yeah and he, he took some on, advice he took some advice and change uh, hearing him do that one it sounds like throughout the interview i left hearing cat okay hearing cat hearing cat williams talk about this one, I think Cat Williams is jealous and frustrated that he is not more popular than he yeah. than he is. Doesn't mean he's not funny. Yeah, Cat Williams is absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I think but, he's. Yeah. I think Cat Williams is probably one of the funniest stand-up comedians I I've heard. I think mm-hmm. he's funnier than than most comedians out I there. I think mm-hmm. he's funnier. I think his jokes land better than Kevin Hart's stand-up specials. I think Kevin. Kevin Hart's stand-up specials are, for me, almost unwatchable. Mm. They're just so, like, blah, 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 like just almost yeah, chucking and jiving. It reminds me a lot of... pandering. Yeah, It's pandering to white audience. I think there's a long tradition of black comedians doing that to, to sort of make their way and to make any sort of money in the entertainment industry. That being said, uh, I think Cat Williams is a very difficult person to work with. I think he. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's a fun person to work with. I don't think he hmm. take takes advice well. And we are just speculating. I'm speculating. I don't. Never with I've never worked with him. And Cat, if you're watching this, I would love the opportunity to work with you. Yeah, I, I I think he would be a very hard. I think he's probably a good leader, and he can sort of do things. Uh, but like doing a big project with him sounds like pulling teeth. I think he he. Because he is very smart and he's going to want to do things his kind of way where Kevin Hart seems more malleable and he would take advice and change whatever to meet the industry standard. But apparently, like, I guess he hit a nerve. Cat Williams that, you know, Cat Williams calling Kevin Hart an industry plant uh, hit a nerve. And so now Kevin Hart's ex-wife is touring with Cat Williams. Yeah, that was probably set up before. Right. So to be fair, Tori Hart, Tori Hart, Kevin Hart's ex-wife is a comedian all in her own rank. Um, Obviously, if you were once married to Kevin Hart, 
you know, one star is going to outshine the other. But yeah, it was announced after the interview between Shannon Sharp and Kat that um, Tori Hart is going on tour with like she might be like opening for him on the dark matters tour i'm not sure what's going on there but yeah she's working with him in some capacity and the optics are that are just a little funny yeah i i don't know i don't know why why he would call him an industry plant except for the fact that he might be jealous and frustrated that he's not as famous as kevin hart because he thinks he's a better comedian than kevin hart right he is but kevin hart is also like can like act and do action hero stuff and yeah. And is willing to be malleable and also like yeah not just Kev- like he he'll kids, wear a kids dress love it's like Kevin not just Hart. that yes kids kid kids, friendly yeah he but like t- middle schoolers the middle schoolers i taught loved Kevin Hart he they thought he was so funny because he does have that younger energy right. i don't know if it's like the shucking and jiving like pandering stuff it could be a little bit of that but also middle schoolers just, just love the high energy kind of thing they like, like high energy like, they like that's why they like like jojo siwa and all, yeah, the, all, all those, the girls yeah. i just think <laughs> jojo siwa and kevin hart being on the same level is actually hilarious they're jojo about the siwa. same height too check the numbers i'm i'm just saying kids like high energy why wouldn't yeah. they i just really would you know a part of this show and we're probably going to move on to the next segment after this but a part of why we talk about creator stuff and influencer stuff off the top of the show is also to give some advice even though we are like very like up and coming and trying to figure out our brand and trying to get things right but it is it's been such a great lesson moving here to learn that like your team is everything the people who believe in you the people you surround yourself with and like when you go to these events you are networking you are trying to say like what do you do well and what do I need to work on? And if you come here and you're not willing to take some feedback on what you do, you are not going to be successful. And that doesn't mean to say like you should give up your morals or you should change your image. I've definitely had up brands be like, you know, I want to work with you. But then I also saw this dildo thing on your Instagram story. Like you can you can draw a line and stand up like, well, yeah, I'm still an adult. I'm going to do adult to content. Yes, Ben. Every time I talk about something on the show, it happened to me. I didn't know so you Ben, I don't have to tell you everything. Why would I tell you if I'm like, I'm about to get a brand deal and then I lost it? This was in the before. It was before we moved here. So it's sometimes we'll get feedback on like, well, this isn't super kid friendly, but then also you'll get feedback. This is a, a this is a great example of something that's happened to us, right? Not happened to us, but some feedback we once got. Some somebody was like, this is gonna be feel very meta because you're listening to this right now. But somebody once said, like, you know what, Amber? somebody who worked at a podcast network, they said a podcast should feel like a conversation between two people, right? Or a conversation amongst friends at a party. And if you have a a niche podcast, like a science fiction or something like that, that is going to limit how many people at the party feel like they can access that conversation. So why don't you change the name and do a rebrand, have a a segment of your show where you maybe talk about books and movies, but why don't you make your podcast mirror what you do online? Right. And that doesn't make you an industry plan. That That makes you someone who's willing to change. And I think Kevin Hart, is willing to do that. And I think that might be why Cat Williams called him an industry Right. Plan. So it's like, there is a, a fine line between like, no, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to be too vulgar. Like, like if mm. my brand is vulgar and adult, I'm not going to change that up. But if somebody's saying like, but what, when I listen to your show, you talk about more than science fiction and fantasy. Mm. So why not widen like 
why not just pivot a little bit so that the people who watch you online for the funnies and for the relationship stuff know that when I come to this podcast, it's going to be a similar energy. Yeah. So it's good advice. So I, I just say like, if you're, if you're somebody who is wanting to be in the creator economy, wanting to create, you got to learn how to take advice. And, and it sounds like Kat is basically saying like, no, I am who I am. I got everything I need. Like I'm not going to change that for nobody. Yeah, that's definitely the energy he gives. I mean, it's we worked you, for Kat. him pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> I say all that to say like it works for two people. But I, but I also look at other. Sometimes I look at, I look at like <laughs> this is my age old example. I look at like a Beyonce versus a Lauren Hill. You know what I'm saying? It's like both incredibly talented women, and sometimes it just depends on like who's the team, like. Beyonce got her team all the way in formation, pun intended. And Lauren Hill won't show up for sound check. Like you got two different sort of work ethics. To, like I, I, Beyonce feels to me like somebody who is constantly taking feedback, constantly looking for feedback, making things bigger, better, more innovative. And Lauren Hill's like, we don't need a sound check. I got it. And it's like, okay, but now you're on stage saying you can't hear. Like you do need the sound check. You know what I mean? Get yourself a good team. You want to move on to our second segment of the show? Please, yeah. The next segment of our show is called Imperfect Parent. Imperfect Parent. One parent on the show doesn't believe in almond butter. But today on the show, we really want to talk about uh, rough and tumble play with dad, specifically. Ben, why don't you kick off where this topic... uh, what caused us to get to this topic today? Well, I was throwing wild on your mom's one of your mom's mini beds and one of your mom's mini rooms. Which sorry, are, sorry, sorry, black woman got to apologize for you know working hard and having a beautiful home. Oh yeah, no, no, no. Your your mom's awesome. Your mom and dad. Your mom and dad is awesome. And your mom was just she took me aside. She said, "Be careful with my baby. Like, don't pl- play rough with her." And and I was like, all right, all right. And then later that day, Wild was standing on our suitcase and jumping off the suitcase. And then I like gave her a little push, and she sort of fell. You know, I was like sort of pushing her off the she suitcase. Fell right on her face. She did a. She fell on her chest or on her belly, and and your mom was like, ah! like I've never heard her yell. And I just play really rough with Wild. I tickle her, and then uh, the other thing is your parents have this awesome couch. And I would put Wild on top of the couch and sort of push her over and she'd do a tumble off and land on her feet. And a couple of times she would like fall. And and your dad was just like, oh, like, you know, his, your dad's nerves are just, it. they're insane. Uh, they're, I just see them a little sparkly. They're like sparkles. Just sparklers. Sparkles. And so I was like, no, this is important to rough and tumble play. And then then Wild has a cousin, your brother's kid. And uh, his um, his girlfriend was like, you know, don't don't play rough with. I was playing with them, and she's like, you know, Zuri's not like uh, it's not like wild. You can't play rough with her. I'm like, what? Like, come on, little girls need to be played with rough too, uh, and or just you know be pushed around. So what I did is I ended up researching what they call rough and tumble play or rough housing, what we call rough housing. And it, the research shows that rough and tumble play with clear boundaries teaches kids body awareness, right? 
Yeah, if you, that, that is what we researched. And and, and if a kid, the other thing that we were doing is I made this adorable video that Amber wanted, didn't want to post, but basically wild is scaring everybody in your family going rah, rah. And there's a term called, uh, what was what was the term we find out when equality? Uh, okay, dominance sharing. Dominance sharing. And it teaches when a kid can scare or tickle their parents, it shows um, a level of like initiative. And we call that dominance sharing where they're no, like you're not dominating the play. They're dominating the play. Right. Like and it's like if it's, you do an arm wrestle with a kid, you can win some, but let them win let a couple them, here. Yeah. Yes. And that builds confidence. So all this research suggests that rough and tumble play is a good thing. But I was having quite a bit of conflict with your family. <laughs> and also my mom as well, when she sees me do these things, she's like, you play too rough with her. You play too rough with her. I'm always like, no. We don't play rough enough with our kids. And I've said this before, but I think if your kid hasn't broken at least one appendage by the time they're 10, you're not parenting right. I've said, And I'll say it again. You need to break something at some point in your life because it means you're not taking risks. You know, maybe a chipped tooth, a broken finger, a broken, like something needs to be broken. What do you think about that, Amber? Should like, uh, you know... You know, okay, so it's interesting because I think about if, do they not like the rough housing because she's a girl or do they not like the rough housing because she's a child? And let's just assume the best. Let's just assume they don't like it because she's a child. And and Ben obviously conveniently left out that Wild plays very rough with other children. She does play a little rough. So so it's been difficult sometimes when we get her around other children. And she doesn't mean to. She's such a sweet child. But she will... Tickle them. She will hug like, them yeah, too hard. Yeah, like a, yeah a she wrestle with, you know. It's very clear that she lives in a house with like a big old dog and a big dad that throws her around because she tries to do that with other kids and they're like very fragile and gentle. I think it's important that she learns like we, we do need to make it a little bit more dynamic. It's like, okay, soft touch. Okay. Just like, okay. Rough yeah, touch. Te- like, teacher. Yeah. Yes. But I think I, I do not, you know, going back to the Kevin Melissa episode, I do not want to over parent how you and her play together. I don't. Yeah. I like that. She's a very tough kid. She will not, when a kid does sorry, come at her just your sideways, mom going like, <laughs> Yeah, I know somebody else that does stuff like that. When when a kid does come at Wild Sideways, she stands up for herself very well. She actually plays better with like three or four year olds than she does with other one year olds. Um, so I, I just think she needs to regulate. But I, I like that you and her have a special rough play kind of bond. I think you just need to teach her like, you know, when you're with dad, go crazy. When you're with other kids, be a little bit more gentle. She's got this uh, friend who is a couple months older than her. And he is very rough as well. And I love like having play dates with them because they just will rot. They'll like climb over the stairs. And the mom is super cool. Like she literally bought these little play stairs and put them next to the couch so her boy can run up the run up the stairs and do a flip over. Right. So Wild has learned that. And then I went and got little stairs and I did the same thing. I learned this from this mom. And and, yes, and so that she'll makes sense she'll now. run around. She does this whole loop where she runs around. She climbs on the furniture. I let her run around and just like you know explode and just have a good old time. Like jumping on the furniture is important as a kid. Like kids should be jumping <laughs> See, on the furniture. That's where we really get into the difficult parenting styles because 
I'm I'm trying, bitch. You know, I'm, I'm patronizing you now. I am going to try to do better about that. Just sometimes, like, I just don't want her to break something. I don't need her to break anything, and you need to. Oh yeah. And 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 especially if we're at other people's homes. Yeah, That's, no, I don't want hard. her to break any an arm it's or anything. It's hard when we're at other people's homes, and you're just like, no, just let them run. And I'm like, no. I, by the time, see, I say that. So I broke my wrist snowboarding. See, I've never broken a bone. Because you didn't take enough risks growing up. I took many risks. No, you didn't. You can take non-physical Break. risks. Uh, I, um, I've um i sprained my ankle jumping off of a cliff into water. Because water, when you land on water... it Have you done cliff jumping before? No, but I like... I've, I've jumped from like, you know, we'll go on like a little cruise boat and I'll jump. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did do that. Uh, but cliff jumping is great when you got to dodge the rocks. So I sprained uh, my ankle doing that, and then I've I've sprained and uh, broken a couple. Well, sprained my fingers, um, you know, playing baseball and such. And but who yeah. pay for all that? Oh, Not and I you. and I hurt, and I broke my sternum. I, I like. And how was that? Uh, was that scary oh. for you? <gasps> oh was man, that fun I, for you? I did a handlebar, and the handlebar went into my chest, and it, it cracked it. <sighs> Like oh man, I was I could not breathe. It was amazing, and, and you it taught want this me to discipline. To no, I mean it that taught you what discipline. It taught me body awareness. It taught me to ride a bike a little bit safer. But I rode a bike safely, and I never broke anything. Yeah, I know. My point doesn't make sense then. Not at all. You want to get into some um love letters, baby? Yeah. Well. Yeah, they're yeah. they're not all love today, but yeah. Uh, the next segment of our show is called the do's and don'ts of relationships. I do, 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 I do. All right. Uh, we got two great voicemails today. This is your reminder. If you need a little bit of advice, y'all been doing a really great job calling into the show, which we are very, very excited about. If you want to keep calling in, it's eight. Call into the number <laughs> 1-833-FOTW311, and we will get to your calls. Uh, we got two great ones here, so let's get to it. Hey, Amber and Ben. I'm calling because I listened to your episode a few weeks ago, um, or maybe a few episodes ago, about how you helped your friend with um, their Hinge account, and it inspired me to um, create mine again. I had done it a few times before and wasn't successful, so I was like, let me start again and take Amber's advice. So I did find a guy that um, I was interested in, and um, we started talking, and we went out on a date. Now, we had a really good time. I feel like intellectually and mentally we are more aligned than anybody I've met in a very long time. However, my issue is that um, he's not as physically attractive to me right off the bat. And my thing is, like, I feel like I could get past that, but I don't know if I could... That was the end of the call. <laughs> I, but I don't know. And I if think it I dropped off the could. right time. So she's on Hinge. You know, we're 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 inspiring the girls because we met on Tinder, and she is attracted to him intellectually. Great conversation. But Maybe great bank account. She doesn't like his. He doesn't like her body. No, I think she's saying she. 
she is not physically attracted to him right off the bat. And she's trying to decide, like, is that something that she should just, like, get over? Mm. I mean, everybody's going to rate what they like in someone. So physical attraction is really important for you. Then, yeah, maybe, maybe not. But here's the thing. Here's the thing about <clears throat> physical attraction is that it goes away. Like, it always goes away. What are you talking about? Just physical attraction in general. Like everyone. Oh, somebody's physical uh, characteristics. Everybody, everybody grows old and wrinkly. Right. And so that physical attraction, right, will drop. I do think there is some, it, it feels so sweet to say that, but I do think it is important at least in the beginning to be physically attracted to, or at least like see it. Mm. Like you could say like, you know what, honestly, physically this person isn't exactly what I was looking for, but you know, if he got a haircut and grew a beard and got a teeth whitened, maybe there's potential. That's terrible advice. Because because you would have to manipulate the person to get their teeth whitened. You would have to manipulate the person to get a beard, to cut their hair. You don't have to manipulate. You could just be like, you would look so great in those yellow converses. That's a manipulation. You would look so that's passive. You look so great. Basically, you're trying to get this person to do the thing. But you. Because you've already imagined them in that already. I just think it is naive to think that you're going to get with somebody and all of their physicalness is going to stay that way for the entire duration of the relationship. Like you look at like, I'll take my parents, for example, a beautifully, wonderfully attractive people, but their looks have changed over the decades that they've been together. Yeah, like course. depending on what was happening in their lives, what trends, what fads. So I don't think it's manipulation to be like, Ooh, okay. It's a, it's a distressed jean summer. Maybe I can get my man to rock a jean. Like I don't, I, maybe there are some ways that she can sort of like, you know, redress Spice this package. Up. Yeah. Okay. I think if I was her, that's what I would try to do because I, but it's different because I'm definitely very attracted to like, I I am attracted to you, obviously, but I'm also like you being a, a, a avid reader and really funny, like those things for me were like super, super high as well. You know what I'm saying? Or I can definitely see, and again, I love you. I'm very attracted to you. But obviously when we first started dating, you were not who I saw myself with in life for mm. not just because of like how you looked or whatever like how you look today just for white reasons you know the list goes whatever right and maybe I'm not who you saw yourself with you know you you told me that you're like I mean I was a college runner so I like the the women that I was used to dating you know they didn't have that that big booty big booty hoes jump no, put jeans they, on they did they, they did. did not they did but that they those girls were eating a, a, a bouillon cupa soup every day no some of them had butts like mine yeah some runners have the, the big old pathunkadunks I'm not talking about no track stars. No, no. I'm talking about cross country no, runners. Them yes. girls be tiny. Some of them, yes, but some of them aren't. So you're saying there was a size 14 big booty hoe on your track, on your cross country team? Yeah, about, about your size, yeah. <laughs> All right, I want to see the, the track picture when we get home. 
right. Yeah. yeah track, track runners, oh, yes, they've always had nice butts. I think, I just think, what what's wrong with helping someone with their personal style if you're not attracted it's, to them? That How is that manipulative? I don't think she has a problem with his personal style. It sounds like it's a facial thing. She might not like just how his face. face looks, which is really hard because that's what you see the most. Damn. Okay, I'm talking a lot. Do you think you could get past it? Like, let's I, say I can. If I'm not physically attracted to someone, like I can't be in the same room with them. You a lie. <laughs> you can't be in the same I'm room just with like, them. Oh, I can't. Uh, like, get away from me. <laughs> What's what is uh, attractive to you physically? Uh, I've I've never thought about it. I just know what I like when I see it. What don't you like? Give me one thing that you're like. This is like I can't. No matter how smart they are, I just can't. Um, I mean, oh God, uh, people have really bad skin, like lots of acne. Mm. I can't. You're so mean. I can't. <laughs> and like, I, I don't have great like skin either, but <laughs> I'm not attracted to me. So I, that is that true. You love yourself. I, but like bad skin. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I, I don't you. like pepperoni on my pizza. You know what I mean? <laughs> First the fuck off. Yes, you do. That's, it's fucked up. But no. <laughs> it's so fucked up. I I think I'm, I'm like that about teeth. Mm-hmm. I don't get what you do. What, what you do with your teeth? I'm checking if they're still there. <laughs> well, I I'm not, here's the thing about teeth. I'm like that about poor dental hygiene. Mm. So I don't care. Like I would totally date somebody with like a gap or whatever. It's not that. It's like if I can see food in between your teeth and see that you have not flossed in a while and your gums have not been flossed, yeah. your gums haven't been brushed. Like, like those are physical things that I can't get over. But like again, like I'm saying with her, like if I met this guy and I was really vibing with him and he just wouldn't brush his teeth, like I could probably like and he and he checked every other I mean, box. That's like a, I could probably help with that. Yeah, yeah. It's like you need to. Yeah, or he has bad breath. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. So what are we saying to her before we conclude? Should we, should she thug it out? What are you saying? I'm saying you can fix this personal style and I'm I'm sure you can get past it. Yeah, I think, I think attraction is the least of your worries. If you vibe with this person intellectually and, and all the other ways, you, you know, I was reading this, Amber and I were reading this book one time because, um, and it gave you advice, like how to be a route. Like if you don't like giving blowjobs, like what you could do is that if you're giving a blowjob, like right as you're about to come, like if you're masturbating, it was like a women, it was like a vagina book about the whole, you know, women's, women, anatomy. Ple- women's anatomy and pleasure. And in there, it's like if you don't like giving blowjobs, one way you can train your brain to actually like giving blowjobs is like masturbate yourself, and then right as you come, put a dick in your mouth. So mm. you associate coming with a dick in your mouth. Okay. So what you can do is like you can sort of rewire your brain to be attracted to him. And there are certain things like what you could do is like for get a couple of pictures of him. And when you're having some flick in the bean personal time, you can pull out the picture <laughs> and look at him. So just masturbate to his picture and you can actually rewire your brain to become attracted to him. But what if that turns her off, though? First couple of times, it probably will. <laughs> But you actually have to do it consistent. Consistency is the key here. Consistency. Literally, if or you want to get I attracted, I thought you were going to say like maybe y'all should just do it like doggy style and 
and go about your day. No, 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 no. Make it even more personal. Just you and, and a picture of, of him. Masturbate to a picture of him without him knowing. Or I would just say envision him like in one of those, you know, like those Barbie makeover things. And then they cut his hair and then they grow a beard out, whatever. I would just hate for you to pass on a really quality human being because like that person doesn't meet all your needs. Because sometimes it's like she probably isn't even that unattracted to him. I think sometimes people are scared to be like, well, like, I don't know what's going to happen if I bring him around my friends or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're going to clown me. Like, and that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, don't worry about all that. Like, if this is somebody that you can see yourself sitting on the couch with talking to, to the end of time, because I've, I've dated several very, very attractive men that were garbage. When I've ever met friends, guys or girls, and they bring around an ugly partner, I'm never like, like ashamed by that by their partner's ugly looks i'm just like relieved that now this person's taken off the street but you you just you just think you like brad pitt over here like what what you are just so mean tell the people that you were playing that was a joke i but i don't care i mean i don't care all right listen next caller i know i look good so anyway next call Hi, Amber and Ben. What is your advice on a situation that I found myself in? I met a guy in a store. We exchanged numbers, texted kind of sporadically for a couple of weeks. Uh, Come to find out he had been dating someone off and on for the majority of 2023. She had a history of ghosting him, breaking up with him, and the day that we met happened to be one of the times that she had broken up with him. He then tells me that on top of this, uh, she was also several months pregnant. He wasn't sure if it was his. He wasn't going to ask for a paternity test until the baby is born. She kind of continued repeatedly with the breaking up, the ghosting, and during those occasions, he would come to me. We have a very intense bond and connection. We have amazing sex. And he genuinely just feels like my person. I feel like this is my person. However, he has been very clear with me and very upfront with me. And he has told me that because of the baby, he feels like he has to try everything to continue to make a relationship work with her. She repeatedly since then has continued the ghosting, the breaking up. One little detail to throw in, she does know about me. He did confess to her that he met me during one of the times she had broken up with him, that we've slept together multiple times. So she is aware of me, and I apparently am now part of every argument that they have. It pains me to see him having to go through this because he wants to be a good dad to this baby. I am now head over heels in love with him. I don't really know what to do or how to move forward with my life. I want to be with this person, but he feels like he can't choose me because he has to step up and be a father and he wants to be involved in the baby's life. What do you think I should do? I think you should get a picture of this man (laughs) and put it next to like a horror cult film and just associate your brain to terror in this man's picture. Rewire your brain. I'm joking. That's a joke. You know, it's like the same way you can rewire your brain to be physically attracted to someone by masturbating to the yeah, picture. Yeah, no. I, 
it's ask, like an ask inverse. What you were you need to in. like get away. This yeah. sounds awful and miserable, and I'm so sorry that you love this person, but uh, and also here's the thing: you cannot break up this person by yourself. You know, if you're in love with someone, you need some sort of person. T- and I'm not talking about like get underneath another man or, or whatever, but you need like someone from your a- church, a pastor or like somebody <laughs> or um, a, a, a therapist, because this is going to be very hard to do. And you're going to like the roller coaster of this. I can't imagine is is what it's doing to your mental health. Right. Like coming him coming back to you because you are the other woman. Right. And that is awful. Essentially. You are like like you're you're the break person. And we only know what he's telling you. Yeah. And so when he's saying like she's ghosting me, she's breaking up with me, she's getting back with me, she's breaking up with me, she's getting back with me. So so essentially like, well, when she calls and says it's on, you're just gonna leave me. Yeah, that sounds so, like Desmond the, dyna- the that's dynamic. The di- so he's he's never gonna fully you, be done with this woman. Yeah, and you can be you can be a good father and not be with someone. Yeah, like, that's, that's what like, I was thinking too. Was like, like if he wanted to be with you, he would. Be. I mean, I just we know the demands that a new baby calls for as well. Like yeah, it, it, it it's you hard. will always feel like a secondary partner in this dynamic. This almost feels like a love triangle. So I think if you're like I think this man is I, I honestly think this man has y'all in like a low key like polyamorous situation that y'all didn't consent to. If I'm being honest, like sort of fucked up. It is like, but he this man essentially has two sexual partners and two women that love him. And when one isn't like with them, I mean, this is like a fucked up poly dynamic. It's not because it's not how it's not polyamorous. Tr- yeah, right, right. That's yeah, what I'm trying to say. Uh, he it's, basically it's has playing. Yes, it's. Uh, but he's I just think he's like not monogamous and he's essentially yeah playing two people and when he's done with one woman or one woman's done with him he can go to you and then vice versa back and forth so if you don't if you want to get out if you don't want to be a part of a love triangle you should leave but if you're okay with sort of going the the Nick Cannon route like where all of well, his girlfriends kind of understand like, well, he's sleeping with all of us. Like that's our dynamic and we don't They care. don't hate each other. And it sounds right, like I'm they're saying, arguing I'm saying if about she, her. I'm saying if our caller is potentially okay with being in a more poly dynamic with this person. But the other woman's not. The, they're the saying they're, argue, they're having arguments about her all the time. So that, right. he, you know. He, right. But I'm just saying for our listener, our listener can't control the fights that they have. Our listener can only control yeah. what she does. So I'm saying our listener has two options, either to leave this man or to engage in a poly dynamic with him. That's unconditional to the, that's unconditional to the other woman. But that is going to be your dynamic. This, he will always be dating both of you or you'll be single if you're dealing with this man. Mm. In a way, right? Yeah, I don't think he... It sounds like he's not going to leave her for you. He's not leaving her. Yeah. It's, he's not leaving her and he's not leaving that baby. Because you said like in the call, the caller said, oh, I feel like he's my person. And the, the reality of the situation is that he's not. Right, it he's doesn't, not. It doesn't sound like he's your person. He's her person. Yeah. And he might be your person, but you're not his person, yeah. which sucks. That sounds like a terrible, sad situation. I'm so sorry right. you're going through this. this I'm does, terribly this sorry you're going through this. This doesn't sound fun. No, it's very, like, insecure finale with, like, Issa and Lawrence and the baby and all these things. How does that end, by the way? 
like I just said. Well, well, he co-parents his child, but he's no longer with the other woman. Kind of. Does he go with Does he go with Issa? Uh huh. I, I think they have like there's like some fantasy bubble where that happens, and maybe it doesn't happen. I can't remember. That, that. was the end of the first season. No, that was the end of the finale. Is with oh, the really? baby. Yeah, because you know he didn't have a baby in season one. Yeah, no, I, I gotta go that. back and watch. Insecure. I don't, yeah, I but don't yeah, remember. If to to continue having a any kind of relationship with this man is to enter into a love triangle. Yeah. Like this woman will always be a part of his life. Damn. I'm sorry. And that concludes this portion. Reminder, if you would like to be featured on our show, call the advice hotline at 1-833-FOTW-311. The last segment of our show is called Shelfie. So we are reading, but y'all know what we're reading. We're reading the sex you want. So let's talk about what we're watching right now. What we watched last night. Ben, take it away. Yeah, we watched the film American Fiction. It was so much fun. And uh, basically the book is about this black. The movie. Yeah. Well, it's a based off a movie, uh, oh, book as the well. The book Erasure. Erasure the the as well. And which neither of us has read, but I think I will read now. But the, 100%. the book Erasure, the film American Fiction about this man, older, I guess, middle-aged black man who is a professor, an author, and his books are just not selling. And he wants to be known for his fiction he wants to be literary and uh, he writes this book that is literary and in all the senses of what literature is you know highbrow and no one's buying it because they want a black book they want something like sister soldier type of thing and he he decides in an ironic 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 turn of events to write <laughs> like a a black book so it's you know hood based so there's killing and yeah. gangsters ghetto urban myth. and uh, yeah. and and then it's sort of a comedy of errors where <laughs> where it gets bought by a publishing house for more money he's ever made it's option for millions of dollars to be turned into a movie and he's like no we got to stop this so at one point he like <laughs> he changes the name uh from like my pathology to uh Fuck. Yeah, <laughs> Just, the name of the book is called Fuck. It, it is 100% a comedy of error. So yeah. the Big rest of the book is him trying to deal with this. And that's one plot of it. And it follows very closely a plot of him dealing with his family, his aging mom. And it and uh, the family story is a beautiful story. I teared up a couple of times. It was yeah. very emotional. And it's about, you know, accepting um, your true self. And it's about loving your family and dealing with, you know, childhood trauma and, and, uh, the ending of a life and ending of an era. It's a beautiful book, but we go to watch this. And oh, the irony of the us irony watching of this like film. watching the just the space we watched it in was industry. Mo a lot, not mostly, but if probably mostly Hollywood white folk, yes. industry, Hollywood white folk. And at one point like this, you want to share what happens? We're like sitting and where there is this elderly white woman behind me in the theater to see American fiction, you know, I'm 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 fairly confident in saying like black director, black lead, black storytelling. And there's this white woman behind me that goes, "Excuse me, are your extensions paper or plastic?" I say, "What?" She's like, "Well, are they cloth? What are your extensions?" 
So first of all, first off, you old bitch. <laughs> don't don't be clocking that I got extensions, okay? I hate when white people ask like when they skip the middleman and they're like, "Excuse me, is your weave this or that?" Because they want cool points. They want cool points from you for knowing that it's a weave. But you could just ask like, "Ma'am, is your hair like, ma'am, I love your hair. Could you tell me about it?" So I just I just hate when we're like, "Well, what what's your what's in your hair are clearly extensions. I know this. I have a black made so are your extensions paper or plastic like like i was at damn whole foods or something and then she was so when when she saw me sort of turn around slowly to the paper or plastic she was like well i meant like cloth is it cloth cloth i said ma'am and she's so old because she couldn't even hear my response I said, she couldn't even hear the movie i was trying right she was asking her man the whole time like i don't know why this is funny um you know again I said, ma'am, this is human hair. She's like, what do you mean? I was, and I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to eat my popcorn and navigate like human, human hair. You know, like humans had it on their hair. It was cut from them. And then it's been, it's been goddess locked and wrapped into my hair. She's like, what, Bernard? What did she say? I'm like, why, why am I explaining this to you? Why are you alive behind me? Why are you breathing? No, I tried to be nice to her. And then after the film, they were going to have a talk back. Okay, so the film, so we watched this great film about race and it's very, very nuanced film. Tons of black, iconic, like black Hollywood all up in there. Sterling K. Brown, Jeffrey Wright, Issa Rae, like Keith David was in the film. Tracy Ellis Ross, great cast, very black. And then after the movie, they were like, oh, we're going to have a talk back where some people who worked on the movie are going to come and tell us about, you know, making the film mm-hmm. and Ben what three uh four three white people come up I think then one like I don't know they're they definitely were they black. were not black they, and, they were coded as white yeah they and they come up white. to talk about the film and such and it just was a very ironic moment because a big part of the film is about Hollywood there are some in jokes about Hollywood that being ho- very white being and, very white yeah. and how like here are the black stories and it's like precious and slave narratives yes and hood narratives all the, and it's very funny very. so so they're doing this talk back it's all you know no no black people are up there which was sort of shameful and that was the experience because it was like the editor the composer and they're speaking so technical they were like that's why in those wide shots we filmed in four or five thirty versus 28 30 i was just like we don't know what you talking about five four time instead of you know a three four time yeah you can see on those time measures that abrupt sound change. Amber's like, there. I'm ready to leave. We're not staying for the reception. They were like giving well, free drinks. It was also at the London West, which was a beautiful hotel. It's like a five-star hotel. It's a stunning. Every time I go there, I always run into a celebrity. Like I saw the celebrity, uh, Peter Parker's, um, you know, right-hand man, the Filipino uh, actor, the young actor. In the Tom Holland one? Yeah, the Tom Holland. So he was there like getting a drink. So you always see famous people. This is a cool thing about Hollywood. But we had no desire for free drinks and seeing Hollywood people. It was just so ironic that you're like, ah, I just saw some really great black storytelling and narrative here. And surely the director of the film is going to come out and tell us about like making uh, this He film. couldn't make it. <laughs> he, probably, he probably saw where it was going to be hosted and didn't want to go. He was like, I'm good. Like, Yeah, American Fiction, though, is an incredible film. And it is 
Please see so it. Funny. So funny. It's so f- I cried. I went, oh, like Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright is such an incredible actor. And there are these moments where the, the camera, the cinematographer, it was amazing that I think they shot yeah. it in 25 days. I, I did enjoy the talk back because, you know, Wait. I'm nerd. Nerd. I'm, I'm nerd. I'm nerd. And she was saying that we wanted to film it from Jeffrey Wright's perspective. And you see these like little twitches and he is just in a phenomenal, phenomenal actor. Yeah. No, those, those white people did oh. their thing. They did yeah, their big yeah, one. They, 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 they ate oh, with that movie. There's, oh, I, I love it when, I hate it and love it when white people are like, yeah, and that's my family, my chosen family. And they, it's usually a black person or an Asian person. <laughs> it's like, bitch, we like, ain't your family. Yeah, we're you just friends. I, I'm your like, family, but you ain't We're mine. just really close friends. Why can't you just say we're close friends? Why do you have to say family? I've That's always irked me a little bit because I think like you can't, I don't know. Like, I got you. You know, like just, you, I, you're I'm, doing it to have a closer relationship with blackness to mm-hmm. make your wokeness. Like Hollywood woke people are in our our next level of um, like white wokeness, which is so ugh. it's like are their next level. What do you mean? Uh, you know, they they see themselves so removed from being a racist or, or having mm. any form of racism. They think they've, they've done so well for themselves where you, for example, I think like there's a moment in the film where uh, they're talking about Flannery O'Connor and they write the actor, Jeffrey Wright playing professor. He writes the N word on the board and this white girl one of his students is like, ah, you know, she's like being the woke student. Like, I'm uncomfortable with that word. Why are we reading Flannery and O'Connor? And they made her like, she's got blue hair. Blue hair, like all blue that. Hair and, liberal, and, right. and those people are, they're frustrating at times to work with or talk with. But at the same time, I think they are more willing to learn and grow. Right. You okay? So uh, I think those people you can sort of have a conversation with and be like, actually, the N word, it can be fine and used and appropriately in certain settings, blah, blah, blah. Like you can actually teach those people where I think Hollywood white people, because they're so wealthy, you mix this wealth, wealthiness with the privilege, with the wokeness, you get this inability to ever change anything, Mm. you know? Yeah. Like Little Miss, ma'am, is your hair paper or plastic? Yeah. I don't even think she's trying. Yeah, I don't, yeah, she's on her way out. And I heard her say to oh, her yeah. husband, she was like, I just want to touch it. He was like, mm-mm. Yeah, <laughs> like, like, mm-mm. He was like, Margaret, the film is starting. Yeah. But <laughs> I think we should like, end on that note. You should go watch American Fiction. Please do. If you're a little old white lady. Uh, paper or plastic? Ma'am? Paper or plastic. Ma'am, are your teeth paper or plastic? Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Fly on the Wallen podcast. Buy your tickets to our LA live show. It's going to be February 21st, and we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye. Bye. You know they're from TikTok, because those laughs keep you coming, because they're wilding all the time. Before wild throws a tantrum, listen to our silly anthem, because they're wilding all the time. Don't swap why Amber squats and does a dance to please her plants and Ben reads books while serving looks. Wild is wildin' all the time. Fly, fly, hold oh, up, be a fly. Fly, fly, come and be a fly on the wall. Leave.
are listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.